I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. Lieutenant Joe Pangaro here. So the news continues to roll out. We start to see lots of crazy things going on. And I say crazy in a, in a, in a two-fold way. Crazy because it it's almost seems unbelievable, some of the things that we're seeing. And at the same time, crazy in the fact that the things that people are doing are nuts. I mean, my last bunch of episodes, I'm trying to piece together the, the devolving of America and how everything that we thought we knew and was rock solid is coming apart at the seams. Our beliefs, our culture, our traditions, our way of life, and the the consternation that we're having between each other. I'm trying to piece all these things together to try and figure out where this might be going. Where do we end up? You know, there's a there's a thing in business that you set up a one, three, and five-year plan. Where do you plan on being a year from now? Right? This is good for life, too. Uh, I, I, I've often told people who have said, hey, Lieutenant Joe, you got a lot going on. And how do you stay you know, focused? You're writing books, you're doing radio shows, you're doing all kinds of things. Uh, how, do you, how do you stay focused and keep track of things? Well, we do that by having goals. You got to have some kind of a goal. You got to have some kind of a plan, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be a written plan, but a written plan is not so bad. But what I always tell everybody is whether it's your personal life, your business life, an endeavor you want to do, a hobby, whatever it is, you should look at it and in terms of being able to set benchmarks. Where do you hope to be? Where do you expect to be? And how do you expect to get there? And you do that in blocks of one year. Where, where do you expect to be one year from today? You're going to start a business today. I'm going to be a guy who uh, uses my carpentry skills, and I'm going to start a renovation company, and I'm going to do renos on people's houses. I'll rebuild build their kitchen, I'll redo their garage, whatever it is. Where do I expect to be one year from now? Do I expect to be making a profit a year from now? Do I expect to have uh, the ability to do more than one job at a time? Do I expect to have a payroll? Will I do it all by myself, etc., etc.? Then you have to go out and flesh out those details. So what do I need to do to be where I want to be a year from now? Well, first, I have to get a business certificate. I have to be licensed. I have to set up bank accounts. I have to get a credit line. I have to get the right vehicles. I have to find employees that can work for me. I have to do advertising. The list goes on and on and on. But that's our, our first step in anything. Then we look at where do we expect to be three years from now? If that plan works, then how do we ex expand and build? And then where do we hope to be five years from now? And then, of course, you adjust your plan as you go. But the idea is at least you have a plan, right? General Eisenhower said it during uh, World War II that he said, you know, we have to have a plan. Because the whole idea is that plans go sideways. Plan is a great place to start. And the idea is that when things go wobbly, you try and work your way back towards your plan. It keeps you it keeps you on track with what your goal would be. So I'm looking at our country and I'm saying, would you ever have thought five years ago that we'd be where we are today? That we'd be here today in the situation that we're in today. This complete devolvement of our moral structure, our traditional structure, our relationships with each other? Did we think we would be here five years ago? I don't know that we did. So if we look to the future and we say, where do we think we'll be one year from now? 
How about three years from now? We'll have a new president three years from now, whether that's Joe Biden, uh, Donald Trump, DeSantis, uh, Kamala Harris, whoever. We'll have a new president three years from now. And five years from now, we'll be back in in the battle again to see who's going to lead our country. In between that time, a lot's going to happen. I firmly believe that the trajectory that we're on as a nation right now, this progressive socialist push, that no matter what anybody seems to say, all the punditry out there, it's really a conservative nation. Well, people don't vote like that. People are voting very, very progressive, very liberal, very socialist. This is where our country seems to be going. We see the young people overwhelmingly believe that socialism is the future of America. And if that's the case, and we've detailed this in the past, you know, Ronald Reagan said we're one election away from voting away our freedoms. And it's absolutely true. The, the Constitution of the United States is one of the most amazing, powerful, life-changing documents ever created by humans. It is also a suicide pact because it gives us the freedom to vote away our freedom. Right? We can certainly... Uh, usher in an era of electing socialists. And we we think, oh, that's not going to happen. People are going to come to their senses. Uh, I don't see people coming to their senses. I see people getting wackier and wackier, right? We talked about in a recent episode, the struggle our country has to to, to talk about serious issues uh, of cultural change, of things that we want to do. How do we do things? How do we bring people together? How do we try and make sure everyone is heard and figure out what's best for everyone? We can't do that. We cannot have that conversation in this country. It is impossible on a number of different things. We can't talk about race. We can't talk about the, the revolution of uh, people's lifestyles. We can't talk about our military. We can't talk about the police and the need for safety and security. We can't talk about crime. It's, it's all of the major things that hold a society together are things we cannot discuss. Now, it's not that we physically cannot. Of course, we could sit down and talk. The thing is, we can't come together enough to actually have a conversation where we're not trying to just win the argument. One of the truest things uh, that I ever heard was the reason people can't communicate is because we don't, we don't listen to each other. right? We don't listen uh, to understand. We listen to respond. So if, I am, if I'm listening from my point of view that I think the Second Amendment is very important to the freedom of the American citizens, and someone on the other side thinks that people having guns is the end of the world and we have to get rid of them at all costs no matter what, when we sit down for a conversation, the point would be to listen to each other's point of view and for us to rationally and calmly make a point for our case. Well, here's why I think... Uh, the people keeping and bearing arms is important. And I think these reasons, 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 reasons. Then the other person goes in, and here's the danger I see. Look at the shootings we see every single day. Look at the robberies we see. Look at the gang activity where people are killing each other. If we did away with all the guns, we would cut those things out and people would be better off, right? That would be a conversation. We could then go back and forth and try and, and look at each other's points of view. But do we do that? No. It immediately turns into, you want to kill babies, you want to kill these people, you want to kill those people, you are a nut, you are crazy. It turns into, a, it devolves, it devolves into an argument because we are not listening to understand each other, we're listening to respond, to protect our point of view, to make sure we win the argument, no matter how that plays out in real life.
And that, unfortunately, is the danger. How it ends up coming out in real life is what makes a difference. You know, uh, just recently, uh, Republican Senator Marshall has come out with a uh, report where they are now looking logically for, for, well, I think there's been a lot of people logically looking at um, COVID-19 and its origins for a long time. If you listened between the uh, the biased media, the absolute attempts to hide information from the American people, to change the narrative uh, on all of these things for reasons that seem to be, you know, cloaked in darkness. Why would we not want to know the truth about this? And, and it, we're starting to see a little bit of a picture come out. And the only reason we're seeing that picture is because the recent elections that that brought the Republicans into power in the House, now they have the power to have committees ask questions, subpoena people, and really investigate. So whether their investigations are legitimate or not, I guess time will tell, and we as a people can decide that. But this Senator Marshall has come out now with a report where basically it seems common sense that the coronavirus, the COVID-19, was a result of two lab leaks in Wuhan, China. Now, for me personally, this seemed uh, absolutely not only plausible, but the most likely thing of all when we saw this, this disease pop out and start attacking. If we go back and we look at the historical record and we start to see what were the Chinese doing when this started, right? So when it started and we were shutting down, they were looking for a vaccine very early on because they knew it had slipped out of the lab. Now, there's two ways it could have slipped out of the lab. One... It was purposely let out of the lab as an attack on the world. Or two, it was an inadvertent release. Now, this Senator Marshall and his committee or whoever wrote this report, they seem to believe that there were two leaks, two distinct accidental leaks of the virus out of the containment area. Uh, and, you know, I guess I would go with that at this point. Do I believe the, that the Chinese, who even though I think the Communist Party, I think is uh, bent on world domination and would do just about anything, uh, kill innocent civilians, do whatever they have to do to take over. I think that's what maniacal, tyrannical governments do. But do I think they would unleash a virus that could potentially kill all their people? I would have to say probably not. So therefore, you're left with, you know, uh, what's Occam's razor? When, when you have all these different possibilities, the simplest answer is usually the truth. So most likely, this thing slipped out of the lab by accident. Someone got infected. Someone got pricked by a needle that had the germ in it. Whatever it is, you know, they're working with these viruses, and it, it's, the, the containment was not perfect. And someone got it, got out into the world, and started spreading it around. Because it was weaponized, right, because it was weaponized as a weapon, I believe it was being built as a weapon, um, we, we hear various things about that, that actually, uh, you know, the gain-of-function research is done so that we can get ahead of viruses, things that we think may pop up and hurt us later on. We, we, we gain some function to them so that we can see how they would spread, and then we can make viruses and other antibodies or whatever to fight them in the future. Okay, scientifically, that makes sense to a non-scientist like myself. That kind of makes sense. I see where people would want to do that, get ahead of it. So we have things in, in the wings when we can predict, okay, uh, cachabotulism is something that's, uh, it's a G disease that's out there and it's going to start growing. 
let's get ahead of that. So when kachibotalism is uh, appears in the world, we can immediately go and attack it and, and knock it out so it doesn't become a pandemic. I get that. But when I look at this, I think, first of all, germ warfare has been with us for a very long time. We do it. We do it secretly. The Russians do it. The Chinese do it. I think many other governments are probably involved in it. But in this case, I think the gain of function was either done for legitimate scientific reasons, though maybe not the smartest thing to do, uh, you know, to, to rev up a virus like this, uh, or it was done, it was militarized, and it was being prepared that maybe they were trying to figure out exactly how they could make it to certain strength, how fast it would attack, what it would do to people, and then they would come up with a way to immunize all their people and then release it on the world. And then with a weakened world, uh, they could certainly be much easier to take it over. You think about the common sense of that. You think about the common sense of that. If you're, if, now, most of us do not think about world domination. Most of us do not think about taking over the rest of the world because we live in America where we don't think about those kind of things. But the rest of the world is not America. There are a lot of places that do look for conquest still. Now, I know I'm wound up about this today. But the reason we have to look at that is that because, what do I say all the time? What does Lieutenant Joe say all the time? What is the default position of humanity? It is to live under tyranny. That is what we have always been. The strong man has always uh, controlled human life on this population, on this planet. The strong man that rules, whether it's the king, the czar, the dictator, uh, you know, whatever, they have always ruled the world. It wasn't until America arrived on the scene and our forefathers brought forth this beautiful nation of freedom uh, that we saw something different in humanity. Now, it happened at the time when we had the right people in place here in America, the citizens who were ready for freedom, uh, and they were willing to fight and die for it. They were waiting, ready to maintain it. All the generations that came after the forefathers, up until recently, the people of America have been willing to fight and die and push to maintain the country that we have, the, the idealism of what America is. It's only in very recent times that we see our population is wobbling out of control. And all great nations fall. That's a reality. Look back through history. All great nations have their moment in the sun and then they fall. So I'm not stupid enough to think, well, that could never happen to America. Uh, we're watching it happen right in front of our eyes. We are watching the country fall apart. And this, this, this is not sustainable. Right? This is not sustainable. You can't have this kind of a society go on and on and on for a couple of reasons. Number one, internally, in our own country, we, we, we can't speak to each other. When someone with a different point of view shows up, we see mobs attack the person to silence them and shut them up. We see the corruption of our government entities, our, our law enforcement, our uh, prosecutorial people, our... our the levers of justice, we see them totally corrupted in America. We see them used for political reasons. We see them bastardized. This cannot maintain itself internally in our country. We see we are a bubbling cauldron in this country. You go to speak somewhere where people on the left don't like what you have to say, they will not just uh, come out and protest. 
you know, waving signs and screaming. Now they will attack you. We've seen it over and over and over again. They beat people. They assault people. They riot. They burn places down. They kill people. This happens now regularly. And what, what, what gets done about it? Do we prosecute those people? Do we go after them and say, hey, listen, protest is fine. Stay on the sidewalk. Wave your signs. Do not kill people. Do not burn people. Do not loot. Do not rob. Do we say that? No. Those in power allow that to happen. And why do they allow that to happen? Well, take a few minutes and go read some of the writings of the people who come up with this socialism. Go read Marx, right? Go read these different books on how to, how to run uh, a, a revolution, how to, how to create a chaos, and how to set things up so that strong man has to step in and control it all. It, this is not a mystery. This is not a mystery. Just because people on the, the mainstream media who are part and parcel of the message tell you, that's ridiculous, there's no such thing, but then you see it every single day. You see it right in front of your face. You see these things happening. And then they deny, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. Don't believe your lying eyes. Uh, people are just upset about different things. Well, how is it that crime is so out of control in our country? How is it that stores are now being being, being mobbed by people smashing it in? We're seeing these, these, uh, these teen riots break out all over the country now. Wait till, wait till the warmer weather gets here and we get people out all day, days and hours and night. You don't think this is going to continue? I think we may have another summer like 2020 where we have these, uh, these mass uh, swarming attacks on businesses, locations, and people. It's out of control. Now, the center marshal, I'm going to get back to where I started. See, I go around in a circle sometimes. It just it leads one thought to another. When this guy says there's these two lab leaks... Society breaking down, uh, it's much easier to attack a society when people are sick, physically sick. They shut our country down for two years, closed businesses, arrested people for, for running their business in America. Did you ever think five years ago you would see that, that that would happen? I was at a doctor's office uh, very recently with my father-in-law, Ted, uh, and we went in. Now, this is after the president of the United States has declared that the pandemic uh, restrictions are now over. And we walk into this doctor's office a full two weeks after the president declared COVID uh, stuff is over. And they hand us masks and they say, you have to wear a mask in here. Why do I have to wear a mask? Because everybody in this office is scared to death of the COVID and you have to put it on. Okay, it's their business. They want to make that, the that's a restriction. That's, I think that's fine. It's their business. They can call that. If I don't like it, I can leave, right? So this is, this is something that it demonstrated right in front of our eyes the changes that can happen to our country. They shut us down. They arrested people for going to work. They wouldn't let you function. We're seeing this madness everywhere. So that's the internal, right? I talked about the internal. That's where I was leading this whole thing to. The internal instability of America now is something that is not sustainable. The external threats to us are the things we see going on all over the world. Now, the reason we see Putin being so emboldened and we see the Chinese Premier Xi being so emboldened and we see these things happening, why do we see countries that have been historically been our allies turning against America 
and turning towards the Chinese. Well, sure, they got a lot of money, but they're also on the march and people sense it and they're picking sides. When the fighting is over, where do I want to be? Who do I think is going to win? And obviously people are hedging their bets and they're starting to say, well, it looks like the Chinese is probably going to come out ahead on all of this. They probably will replace America. Uh, and therefore, I want to be on the winning side so that when the tyranny starts and they start attacking people and destroying lives and taking things over, maybe they won't be so bad to me. Sound familiar, ladies and gentlemen? Appeasement? Pick the winning side? Hope that when the devil takes over, he's not so bad to you, so you kind of go along? That is such weakness. And that is what these uh, dictatorial leaders around the world are seeing in our country. Because we're seeing, they're seeing America, who is the big dog on the block. They're seeing America's internal destruction, devolvement, as a, uh, an opportunity. That America is no longer united. That America is no longer one people doing the right things. We no longer have the same understandings of morality and religion and truth and justice. And therefore, they see we are wobbling apart. And this is the moment to make a move. It's also the moment that they can see we have our political leadership is, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, I don't even know how to describe what it is. Joe Biden is an elderly man who cannot absolutely function properly because he's an elderly man. It's not because, well, he, he's corrupt, first of all, all right? He is a corrupt individual. But on top of that, he's an elderly man with a lot of the same things that happens going to happen to all of us as we get older. Losing his faculties, right? The inability, the things that we see in front of the whole world, we think the rest of the world doesn't see that. You don't think that these, these dictatorial leaders are making their moves now because they know they got a guy in the White House that probably is not going to be able to respond on top of the fact that I think it's becoming crystal clear to anyone who actually has their eyes open that the reason President Biden will not go after the Chinese is because he is so indebted to them financially. He is so much mixed up with them that he has to maintain his silence because they will destroy him. They will release information about his deals because if that works in their favor to destroy him, they'll do it. That will further destabilize our country, right? Imagine if they came out with some documents now with two years left in his presidency, his first term, they came out with documents showing his corruption and the corruption of his family. What would that cause for us? Well, if, if they showed real documentation, the media, I'm sure, would try and, you know, pretend that it's all fake and, and, and lie about it as long as they could. But once the truth came out, we would probably have to remove him. And then we would get Kamala Harris as the president of the United States. Do you think she is capable of running the United States in the face of the threats we face from the external threats to America? No. The minute that they decide that that is, hey, this is in our interest to get rid of this bumbling old fool and put her in charge, America will continue to devolve, continue to tear itself apart makes it much easier for us to make moves around the world. What are we going to do? What are we going to do 
when they take Taiwan, because they're going to. That's very clear now. Are we going to fight back? We see our allies, uh, the French Macron, President Macron, saying, you know, hey, Europe, whoa, 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 what are we going to follow America into this war with China for? Which means it's America on our own. So we're going to ship our men and materials and soldiers and everything else to Taiwan to get in what? A hot war around the other side of the globe, very close to the Chinese homeland? And do what? Lose 20,000, 30,000 individuals and then get into a hotter war with China? Is that the moment that Putin would see an opportunity to, hey, let's launch on Poland now because America's tied up in Taiwan and the American people start tearing up everything and refusing to go and fighting and arguing with each other? Do you see the mess that can happen here? It's happening right in front of our eyes. Now, I'm not saying that this is absolutely the plan that's going on, but does not it look like it is? If you were on the other side and you wanted to destabilize your enemy, wouldn't you have every single thing we see going on right now happen? And you see them inching closer and closer to their objectives. We see them inching closer and closer to Taiwan, testing us, sending a balloon over our nation, and we watched our bumbling president do nothing about it as they took tons and tons of information on our military bases, our strength, our equipment, our readiness. What do you think all that was? And we do nothing. And the media covers it all up because they're part and parcel in with this. I don't think they understand what's going to happen uh, when the country flips over. They think all this freedom, oh, we backed you up. Uh, they're going to be one of the first ones to go to be silenced. Pay attention to history. See how this goes. It's happening right in front of us, and I don't think we're paying attention. I think we're, we're, we're arguing so much internally, this internal wobble that's going on, this, this devolvement as we spin and things start to come apart, it is happening so quickly in front of us that I don't think people can really see it. We, we can't get past our arguments. We can't get past our hatred of the orange man and the, the psychotic responses to this guy being the president and anything conservative. Uh, I heard, what was it the other day? Somebody, somebody said that Florida, I, I, one of the people I, I, I'm on social media with that I see, I talk to, he says, Florida is now reminiscent of Nazi Germany in the 30s. Now, thank goodness there were several responses back to that individual saying, you're out of your mind. This guy wants to control everyone's life. He doesn't let this happen. He doesn't let that happen. He's out to, to hate people and shut the... Now, it is so far from the truth of what's going on in Florida with what DeSantis is doing. But what it revealed very clearly is that this person that I thought was very intelligent, has a lot of life experience, has had an amazing career, is so blinded to reality that he actually believes that Florida is a state of, uh, of, of Nazi occupation, that if this guy takes over, he's going to do this to the whole country. It is absolutely shocking to me, and it points out the rift in America, the internal threat to America from more than half our citizens, because we do not see the world the same way. We do not have the same goals. We do not have the same hopes and the same aspirations. Think about that for a few minutes. And we'll be right back. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, 
one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. All right. Now... I just got a, uh, a box in the mail. It's exciting when boxes show up, right? Isn't it good? I don't have to go to stores anymore. I go online. I can pick anything I want. I can compare it to 9,000 other products that are similar uh, or, or you know, completely different from each other. I can do my due diligence. I can read reviews. I can cut between the fake ones and the real ones, and I can make a decision on what I want. Then I push a button, and like magic, Within a day or so, that product shows up at my house. That's absolutely amazing. I love that. So the other day, when his box showed up, uh, I wasn't sure what was coming. Miss Kathy orders a lot of things online. You know, we have grandchildren out there now. We got our children. They're buying houses. They're, they're living their lives. And she's, you know, buying things for their houses and helping them out. And the kids, blah, 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 goes on and on. And this box, and I look at it. Oh, it is from Healthy Cell. Right? Fantastic. So I was waiting for my next order of Healthy Cell products, and they have arrived. So uh, I get, you know, I keep up on the Healthy Cell. I take the immune boost. I find it uh, to be excellent. I think if you're looking for something to help you maintain your health and stay healthy, you want to take a look at it. It's really very good. Uh, healthy Cell and all their products. They're on the network here. You should take a look at them. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Healthy Cell. Right? So make sure if you're looking for something, take a look there. It's fantastic. Now, as the world continues to roll, we see 
there's some good things and bad things going on in law enforcement. Now, down by me here in New Jersey, locally, we just saw a story where two uh, police chiefs have gotten themselves in big trouble. And it's unfortunate because they're both going to uh, suffer severe consequences for their actions. And I think in both cases, it was because these individuals had extramarital affairs and then they lied about it. They involved other people in it. They caused harassments with it. And they're now going to be charged with malfeasance. Uh, they may lose their pensions. All of this over an affair. What do we see when we see relationships like this starting to go bad? Why would your relationship go so bad that you, you step out and you violate your vows? You violate the trust that somebody has in you. And you potentially can ruin your family. Well, there's, there's additional um, cops that are in trouble. In Oklahoma, there was a sheriff and I believe a couple of deputies. And they were talking and they were on tape. Somehow or other, they were on tape. Somebody recorded them, whatever. And they were using racial epithets. And they're, they're looking to fire them. And I have to say, they should. You know, it's one thing to not like somebody. You don't like Harry. I don't like Harry. I don't like the way Harry behaves. I don't like Harry's life. I don't like the things Harry does. Okay, fair enough. But I don't like Harry because he's this race, whatever race it may be. That's totally inappropriate to dislike somebody because of their race. Their race has nothing to do with who the person is. And this sheriff and his deputies were running their mouths. And I haven't heard the tape. I read the story about it. And apparently they were, you know, your classic uh, anti-black commentaries that people of a racial nature, uh, racist people, will, will use. It's ugly. It's terrible. In general, in life, it's ugly and terrible. But everyone has a right to say it if that's what they want to say. But when you're a police officer, when you're a sheriff, when you're in a position of, of authority like that, to, to say things like that, it's, it's even worse to believe things like that. But to say things like that out loud is horrific because that certainly brings into question your ability to be fair, to be just, to be unbiased. And the, the town council is going to fire them if they haven't already been fired. And I think they should. You cannot say and do things like that in this day and age. It's it's not appropriate. It, it erases so much of the... the uh, the advancements we've made in, in trying to wipe out racism, that for somebody in that kind of a position to run their mouth like that is ridiculous. And I, you know, I stand up for my brothers and sisters in law enforcement all the time when they're accused of something they didn't do or when it's something that um, it doesn't really uh, amount to what the press is saying about them. In this case, they deserve their, you know, their day in court. They deserve to have their, uh, their case heard. Uh, whatever it is they're going to do, they deserve their uh, due, due, uh, due process. But if they did those things, if they said those things, then shame on them. And just like the two chiefs I know here in New Jersey, and I, and I know them both, uh, and they've destroyed their relationships, uh, you know, okay, you can have an affair. I mean, if that's, that's what I said. You, you want to have an affair, have an affair. Uh, but you're, you're violating trust. You're, if you don't like the person you're with, get a divorce. Get a divorce. 
Don't do that to another person. Now, I know, I know, and I say this all the time myself. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors at somebody's house. You just don't know. So, you know, you, we all know the case where you hear about, did you hear about Marge and Frank? Could you believe Frank did this? Can you believe Marge said that? And you say, oh, that's inappropriate. But you don't live behind their doors, so you don't know what's really going on in their lives. And that's, I guess that's a normal kind of a thing to do. But if the other person is struggling along with you, you should either work out your relationship or move on. But cheating on somebody, uh, I, I just really don't think that's a, that's a, a good thing to do because it violates all those other things. It violates the, uh, the trust that you have with somebody. And that paints a picture of who you are as well. So I just wanted to bring that up. Now, there's another thing about law enforcement. Um, our friend AOC, uh, Orcasio Cates, you know, our, our congressperson there from New York. Now, this young woman was portrayed uh, initially as a, a really attractive uh, bartender, and she gets to go to Congress. Well, since she's gotten to Congress, I think she's become more substantial, <clears throat> excuse me, more substantial. I still think she's, she's way out on a limb with her ideas uh, and her socialism and her, her wacky progressive thoughts are way out there. But I think she's learned to articulate her points well. Um, she presents herself pretty much in a, in a, in a good way other until she starts to like lose it and scream and holler. Well, she, she just made some comments the other day about the city of New York. Now, you have uh, Mayor Adams, former cop guy. And he has decided they solved a, they settled a police contract with the NYPD. And apparently there are some raises for the cops. And the cops need to get raises. You have to be able to feed your family when you're out there protecting society in a job where you might die for your community. So you have to make sure that the cops have adequate income that they can take care of their family so they can worry about their job and not worrying about how their kids are going to eat, their wife's going to go to school, their husband's going to be able to eat, whatever it is. So it's, it's legitimate to give people raises. Now, the amount of raise, that's something that you negotiate, right? That's why we have union representation, and they stand up for the men and women, and they, they make the case for more, and the town makes the case for a different number, and, and you, you work it out. Well, apparently Adams has worked this out, and he settled the, uh, the, the concern about the contract. Well, AOC comes out, and in classic uh, dingbat fashion, she conflates a bunch of different things together. And she says uh, that basically by giving these cops raises and settling this contract, you have defunded safety. Because what you've done is you've taken money away from other areas that the city needs to give it to these cops when we should be defunding the police. Now, I say dingbat because it wouldn't matter if she's a man or a woman saying a thing like that. That's a dingbat statement to make, right? And of course, I'm, I'm hearkening back to... Uh, the uh, All in the Family show, and they called him a uh, meathead is what he was. So she's a meathead, whether she's a, a man or a woman, right? So this is, here's the thinking. The thinking is if you, if you take the money that the city has available and you give more to the cops, and the cops are bad. Remember that. That's got to be part of your, your thinking here. The cops are bad. They don't deserve any money. Matter of fact, we should take more money away from them. But you're going to give them money. That means all these other social programs and all these other things uh, that the city has is going to have less. Well, that's that's crazy because look at the crime in the city. Uh, murders are down. Murders are down. Uh, yeah, aggravated assaults are up. Uh, rapes are up. Uh, all kinds of other quality of life things are up. 
Uh, yeah, because the murders happen to be down a little bit right now. Wait till the warm weather comes and people get out and intermingle more. There'll be more people killing each other, especially when crime is completely out of control. So this is what this is what this uh, this congressperson says. And and the more I see her, the more I realize, well, she may look like she's increased her status, that she she could grow into the position, uh, an important position, right? A congressperson. I think her, her thoughts and her ideas are absolutely absurd. And the way she comes out with things is just crazy. So that's the third uh, law enforcement thing that I kind of got going on here. Now, I just came back from a conference. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's, I, was, uh, I was in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Which, you go to Atlantic City, and this time of year, you know, it's not quite summer yet. And it's, it was sunshiny, it was beautiful. Uh, and the hotels are actually pretty nice. Some of the big hotels are really pretty nice. They're reasonably priced because they want you to go there and spend your money gambling, which is a losing proposition. Now, I know, I know, you went gambling and you won $4,000. Well, that's good. You're one of the one people out of the thousands that go there and just give away their money. right? As you can tell, Lieutenant Joe is not a gambler. I do enjoy a nice game of roulette, and I do like playing cards, but I will not go down there and throw hundreds of dollars at the casino. Because that's what ends up happening. You don't actually really win. You usually end up giving your money away. Every once in a while, uh, you might uh, you might win a couple of bucks. But in the overall, they're counting on you to give away your money. And people give away their mortgages. They give away their kids' college funds. It's ridiculous. But I was down there for what's called the CUPSA. The College and University Police and Security Association. They have an event every year where all of these different security personnel, private security personnel, police officers from colleges and universities, they all get together and they talk about important things. What's going on in the schools? What do they could do for safety and security? What do they need to worry about with drugs? What do they need to worry about with all kinds of other things? And I was down there and it was, it was really a lot of fun. I met a lot of people that I know over the years from being on the job. Uh, and I met some new people, and it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed, that's a, let me qualify that. I had a good time at the event, and then there was an after party, you know, it was a, a hospitality room, and I got to talk to a bunch of retired officers. Matter of fact, one fella from uh, NYPD was there last night. He was a commander of a detective bureau, and I, I don't know which precinct he said he was from, maybe the 18th? Maybe the 18th Precinct. Really, really a nice guy. And we reminisced about a lot of things and some of the cases that brought me to New York City over the years. And we had a good time talking. And it was it was a lot of fun, had by all. My bigger point here is that Atlantic City can really be a lot of fun. The uh, hotel rooms are inexpensive, like I said, because they want you to come and stay over a couple nights. There's good shows, and the world has opened up again, right? There's no masks anymore, and people are getting together. But it was almost empty, uh, the city was almost empty. There's not that, that big throng of people coming. And that's really a shame because that really should be a mecca of, uh, of good times. Now, the only thing that's inexpensive there really are the hotel rooms. And that's got a purpose behind it. They want you to stay overnight. So you get up the next morning and you play more, you do more gambling on your way out. You go to, you got to go to the bathroom. You walk in the front of the hotel to sign in. And, oh, I, can I use your bathroom? Sure. It's through the casino. Everything is through the casino at the other side because they want you to walk through and throw a couple bucks in. Throw a one-armed bandit, you know, play something on the table. That's the whole thing is to separate you from your money. And in Las Vegas, where I've been in the last couple of years, it, it was, it, it's the same concept, but the weather is better. 
there's more shows, there's more excitement going on. It doesn't feel like their only goal is to separate you from your money. It seems like a place of entertainment where you can gamble, right? And you can have fun there. Atlantic City doesn't seem like that. Atlantic City seems like its only goal is to separate you from your money. And no matter what, that's what they're going to do. So say you need a tube of toothpaste in your hotel room. Well, there's a little store there. There's stores in all these hotels. You can go buy stuff. A $2 tube of toothpaste is like $16. That's the kind of thing that happens. You buy a cocktail, right? Lieutenant Joe likes a nice gin and tonic. I I like a little tangeray and tonic. I enjoy that once in a while. With a big slice of lime in a short glass. Of course, you don't want too much tonic water. Uh, And you go in there and, okay, you say to yourself, how much is a drink worth? What's in there? A shot and a half of alcohol is in your average drink. Say they poured heavy, which they do not do. Say they poured heavy and gave you two shots, make the drink, you know, potent. And what would they charge you? What would you pay for that? $8, $8.50, right? How many shots are in a bottle? $30 bottle of Tangeray has probably got, I don't know, 100 shots in it. That's $800 a bottle they're making off of that, uh, off of that uh, bottle. So they give you hardly anything. But is the drink $8 or $9? No. It's like $14. $14 for a watered-down cocktail. So it, it, you, go to get, you go to get some food. Now, if you're gambling at a table, throwing your money away, the, the waitresses will come by and they'll, they'll give you free cocktails because they want you drinking and loosening up and you lose your inhibition, you throw more money down, right? But you go to eat and they have some buffets, okay, a couple of inexpensive buffets. But you go to a restaurant you know, a steak that nowadays, okay, a good steak, a good sirloin steak, might cost you 48 50 bucks, which is kind of crazy, but that's what you pay in a restaurant for a good steak. Well, their steaks are going to be 75 or $80. For the exact same steak, you go up the street to a restaurant and get for $45. So everything that happens there feels like they're trying to just reach into your pocket, and it's not about having fun. It's about separating you from your money at every single turn, and I don't like that. But I do like... Uh, the hotels, they are clean, they're big, the staff was pretty good. Um, I've stayed now in resorts, in um, the Ocean, the Ocean Hotel, really beautiful place, that's redone. Um, what's the, the Brigada, I've stayed in the Brigada, that one's really cool. I've stayed in, um, oh, so many of them over the years, I guess I stayed in, in the last couple of years. When I go down there for conventions, because it's a big convention area in New Jersey, to go to Atlantic City. It's just unfortunately unfortunate that it's not a mega cool place to go where you can go for the weekend. Stay Friday night, Saturday night, maybe gamble a little, but see some shows, do something. You can't because they just rip you off. And that's just me venting. So thanks for letting me vent because that's what I did. But I was at the CUPSA event, and it was, it was really good to talk with all of these college and university security and police people and see what they're doing and how I could offer my services to try and help them. And it's great because I already got a couple of calls. Uh, from people who are saying, hey, Lieutenant Joe, uh, let's talk about this threat assessment thing. How do we do this? So that was really good. All right. One more thing, I guess, on our police uh, police scanner here. How about Chinese police departments in New York City? What, Lieutenant Joe? What are you talking about? Chinese officers? No. Uh, the Chinese, Chinese government has set up people uh, in New York in what they call Chinese police stations. And these people are really spies. And they spy on the uh, Chinese community that's there, the uh, maybe Chinese uh, nationals who are staying in New York for whatever reason, work or whatever, and Chinese Americans. 
that may have contact with people in China, right? So they're really there to spy on them, uh, and they run it like a police department. Well, the other day, they cracked down on two of them, and they, they locked up a couple of people for running one, and good for them. This is how we, you know, continue the devolving uh, theory here. Now we have foreign countries coming and doing this, having a police station or running around monitoring what people are doing. No, that's all just for spying. We have to wake up and move on. So we talked about the, uh, the retail theft earlier. Uh, I think we're going to see a big spree of that this summer. I think there's going to be a lot more of it before it gets better. It's going to get a lot worse because we're seeing... Uh, that, that the, the people who are doing this, the young people that are doing this, they do not fear getting in trouble. They don't get in trouble. They don't get arrested. There's no punishment. Uh, even if they damage places, there's, there's no going after them and say, well, you broke all these windows. It's going to cost you $25,000. You're going to get a lien on your paycheck if they have a paycheck, right? They, there's none of that. So therefore, there's no reason to stop doing it because they, they get out of there. They get out some, some good free stuff. Right? They maybe they get a TV, a stereo, I don't know what they get. When you're going to get some jewelry, some luggage, I don't know, whatever you bust in the door and you take, right? So there's no penalty for these young people behaving like this, and therefore it's going to continue. And that's that's just, uh, you know, that's on my pages of outrages here because I try and keep track of all these things. Now, a couple, a couple of things, our last couple of minutes here together today. Now, a sad story, very, very sad story is a uh, young lady, and I believe, I hope I'm getting her name right, is Kaylin, Kaylin Gillis, 20 years old, in some part of upstate New York. And her and her friends were going somewhere, going to a party. She's 20 years old. There are a bunch of kids going to a party at 10 o'clock at night. Now, for most of us, we're in bed by 9.30, but, you know, the rest of the world, remember when you were 18 and you went out at 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night? That's when you started your night? Well, these young kids, they're on their way out to a party, and they... they so, oh, is that the house? Where the and they pull in the driveway and they realize, uh-oh, this is not the house. We, we got the wrong address. And they back out. And they drive. Now, they didn't get out of the car. They didn't bang on the door. They didn't throw rocks and bottles. They didn't light things on fire. They didn't grab people's Biden sign off their lawn and, and ruin it. They just pulled in the driveway, realized it was the wrong place, and they backed out. And as they're driving away, this nut that lives in the house comes out with a with a gun. I think they start saying it's a shotgun. And he fires two rounds at the car. And he hits this young lady. This this uh, Kaylin uh, Gillis, I think is her name. God bless you. I hope that's her name. And kills her. She dies, this idiot. Of course, the cops went back over there and locked him up. Uh, and his excuse is that he was afraid. I didn't know what was going on. You don't know what was going on. If you have a weapon and you look out your door and you see it's a carload of uh, young people and they're not getting out, they're not torching anything, they're not smashing your windows, they're turning around in the driveway. You go, oh, okay, and you go back to bed or whatever. You don't reach out your door and start shooting at people's cars. This is absolutely crazy. Now, we don't know all the history about this yet. It'll come out as time goes by, but I just wanted to mention that because when we look at justice, there, there is no justice for that girl and her friends. Uh, that girl was was murdered, you know, for no reason, because they pulled in the drive. How many times have you done it? Have you ever pulled in somebody's driveway because you you went up the block the wrong way or you got the wrong turn? You had to turn around, so you you, you turn around in the driveway. Right? People don't like it. You don't want to see somebody you don't know in your driveway because it is a little. It does feel a little weird. But you realize, oh, they're just turning around. No big deal. You go on with your life. So I feel bad for this young lady and her family. Uh, terrible, terrible thing. No justice there. Now, we're seeing. Uh, controversy, you know, with uh, mascots. 
come up again. So New York has now, uh, I don't know if it's a law, a decree, I don't know what they're doing, but they have now said that there will be no more um, team names, mascots, or anything like that that has anything to do with uh, Native American heritage. Now, have I said, as I told you all here before, that while I'm Italian and Irish uh, on my mother's side, my great-grandmother was named Rosewater, and she was, I believe, it was a, she was a Mohawk Indian from uh, Connecticut area, Native American uh, family up there. And she married into the family, uh, I guess my great-grandfather's Irish guy, and that was passed down. My grandmother, uh, she was pro- half, she was half then um, Native American. And that works its way down. My mother was a quarter, was a quarter, I guess, and I guess I'm an eighth or something like that. Um, and they're they're telling them they got to take away all the mascots and the names and everything, like they did, you know, the the Washington Redskins, right? That's gone now. You can't use that name. And a lot of people make the case and say, oh, what's the difference? It's only a team name, you know. I've thought about this back and forth a lot, and you can talk to some Native Americans who think, hey, listen, they're called the Warriors. Right? We're using a team name, the Warriors. They're called the Warriors because they're, they're proud and they're powerful and they're this, that, and the other thing. And I think that's a great Native American uh, uh, trait that we, we had these warriors, right? They were great warriors. So they don't have a problem with that. And then you talk to other Native Americans and they say, no, I, I don't want to see images, you know, these caricatures of a Native American person. I don't want them, you know, called the Indians. I don't want them called. It's, it's disrespectful. And, and I've thought about it for a long time. You know, and I think I always saw it as um, the reason that they named teams like that with Native American themes was for exactly the reason that the Native American people, when we think about them, they were brave, they were strong, they they had uh, great families, and you know, you, the great warrior, the great chiefs. These were powerful, powerful people. Uh, I, I I always looked at it as a positive, not realizing. That on the other way, if you transposed any other group in there and and made sports teams out of uh, their names and references, their cultural references, everybody would lose their mind, and probably rightly so. You know, like I said, I'm Irish and Italian. You know, what we we have the uh, the Italians. You know, the the Long Island Italians. Now, some people might take great pride in that. You know, because they they love their Long Island Italian community, but other people might find that offensive. So. I think in the long and short of it, um, I think, and I'm, I'm not one of these people that lives on, everybody's offended, everybody's offended, you're going to worry about offending everybody. This is the kind of thing that really can be offensive to some people, right? Think about any other community out there other than Native Americans. Think about your heritage. What if we made names about your heritage and made caricatures of your people and put them on helmets and, and, and uh, sports uniforms and stuff. Would you care for that? Or would you find that to be a little offensive and uncomfortable and not nice? And like I say all the time, we can spend time being nice, right? We don't have to constantly be uh, just total disregard of people's feelings, you know? But, it's a, but in this case, I would say that that's probably a good thing, even though I think most people see the... the uh, Native American imagery as as a positive thing, I see where people can also see it as a negative thing. And if there's a negative and it's going to hurt somebody's feelings and make them feel bad, we wouldn't tolerate this about any other group of people uh, making names out of their, their cultural icons and what. So I think it's probably a good idea that, you know, we, we voluntarily get rid of these things. Um, 
And I know some people want to keep them, but I think it's probably a, it's probably okay to get rid of them. Um, you know, why cause pain when we don't have to? That's my point. Why cause pain when we don't have to? Well, we're, we're quickly rolling to the end here, and I'm doing a little calculation here. I'm doing a little calculation, uh, and I got, uh, let's see. So that would be about another minute or two we have left here. And I'm seeing, what's up? what else is on here? Okay, very cool thing uh, that just happened is we have uh, Elon Musk. He, he had a great interview with Tucker Carlson. I mean, this guy, really, really a very interesting man, very, very smart, uh, cutting-edge kind of a guy. Uh, he was on there talking about all, just about anything. I mean, he's very open, talking about Twitter and, and his SpaceX and this and that. Well, SpaceX just launched a test launch, the first test launch of an unbelievably large and powerful rocket. I think they said twice as powerful as the, uh, the uh, Atlas V rockets that took us to the moon. It has twice as much thrust as 33 engines on this thing. Uh, and the whole idea of the test was to see if they could launch this gigantic rocket uh, into space successfully, and then it would break up into the, you know, would uh, drop a section, and then the, the ship, the main ship, is called a starship, which I think is totally cool. Talk about um, Star Trek and all that kind of stuff coming to life for you. I know a lot of people love that. I used to like that show, Star Trek. I like some of the movies, too. But the reality is when you look at this, this starship, is really an amazing thing, and, and I watched the uh, the launch, unbelievably powerful, and it got up, and it even though it exploded at one point, right? It was supposed to separate, and then the main ship, the starship, was supposed to continue on, go into outer space, circle the planet. Well, it didn't get that far. It, it got off the launch pad, which is the number one thing, right? The number one thing is to get it off that launch pad, and it was flying great. It separated, and then they, there were some difficulties with it, um, and it, it, it was either... It, detonated or it ignited itself and exploded. Now, that is, say, oh, what a failure. What if, no, that's actually a great achievement that they got this massive rocket up into the sky, up into uh, lower outer, outer space. And according to Musk and all these other people, they're going to pull so much data from that that it's going to help them to make a better uh, ship that can eventually take huge payloads into space for space labs or whatever to the moon, and then it's going to take people to the other planets. So I want to end on that today because that's a very positive thing. Humanity has to reach out to the planets and the stars if we're going to continue on forever. So I want to thank you all for being here, letting me uh, pontificate a little bit and run through some thoughts in my head. Remember, be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem, and we'll see you down the road. 